Welcome back to the Slutrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Anna D, aka The Professional Goddess, here to empower women to build their own empire and interview sluts who like to make money. On my podcast, I give you a peek inside my life as a girl boss, mentor, retired cam girl, viral TikToker, and now 1% OnlyFans creator. I share my ups and downs of running a multi-million dollar business and the difficult yet sexy path to success. So, my dear slutchpreneurs and my boss bitches in training, grab your notebooks, put on your crown, and if you're a new listener, it's an honor to have you here. Get ready to take a peek inside my pleasure chest. Ginger Zephyr is an Australian stripper, OnlyFans model, business owner, and lifestyle influencer. With seven plus years experience, she authentically vlogs the success and the struggle within the adult entertainment industry. She creates online guides and offers digital downloads to help hoes maintain a high vibration as a sex worker. Ginger also uses her education in coaching and money mindset mentoring to positively influence her audience. She is passionate about the power of personal development, conscious living, and reducing the stigma around sex work. Hello, Ginger. Welcome to the Sletchpreneur Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So how did you find out about the show? I'm so curious. To be honest, it always comes up on Spotify when I search like stripper. And if I'm like looking for sex work podcasts, it always comes up. So tell me how old are you and when did you get into the adult industry? So I turn 28 in about nine days. So on the 20th of October, and I have been in the adult industry for a bit over seven years. I don't really know the exact time I started because my life was an absolute mess (laughs) when I first entered the industry. So I don't have the like my first I don't know the first day I started stripping I don't know like when my shift was I don't know when my interview was but I know it was in 2015 maybe like middle of the year I'm thinking so is the drinking age in Australia 21 no it's 18 Oh, wow. Okay. So because here it's 21. I was thinking that's around drinking age. Yeah, I feel like when you begin, it's so like, at least for me, it was so exciting. It was very kind of a blurry of a memory. And there was a lot of drinking involved for me. (laughs) I can't really like, I mean, I guess going club to club, I remember seeing how different each process was to apply for clubs, because sometimes you'd walk in, they'd be like, great, good to work. And then other clubs, you have to do the whole audition process. And I see that you are a traveling dancer. So do you have Like, are you always on the go or do you kind of have a few clubs that are your go-to ones? I kind of go through phases. Sometimes I'll just pack up and I'll just travel from place to place and work at different clubs. But I think at this point, there's not really many clubs to work at in Australia that I haven't worked at and I don't like a lot of them. (laughs) So Mm. I only really have a few clubs that are my go-to clubs that I'll travel to every now and again. So when this world opened to you, was it just something that came very naturally to you? Like, did you quickly realize, oh, this is could be like my full-time gig? To be honest, I was a writer. I was very like interested in developing a writing career. And I entered the industry thinking that it would just be something that I did for a few months <laughs> while my writing career took off. And surprise, my writing career did not take off. And here I am. I did not 
think that it would be a long-term thing. But then again, I feel like a lot of dancers go into the industry thinking that it's just going to be like a short-term gig and yeah, it it doesn't end up being like that. But it was just going to pay the bills at that point in my life because I was out of options. I didn't have any money and I didn't have a job and I needed to pay the rent. I needed to pay bills. And it was like a last resort for me. And yeah, I eventually started to like it a lot because I was a fish out of water at the very start. And I didn't think it was really for me, but then I started to really enjoy it. And I stayed in it long term, obviously. Yeah, I definitely like after watching some of your vlogs on YouTube, I love your personality. I think you're so engaging. And I think when you're doing in-person sex work, that's a huge decipher if it's going to be a profitable opportunity, like being able to just talk to strangers and mirror their personality. And for some people, it's very exciting to do. And for others, it can be very draining. Can you recall that experience really just having to like work the floor and try to get dances and realizing like, oh my God, this is traumatizing. I don't (laughs) want to have to keep doing this. Or was it more like a game? It turned out to be a bit of a game after a while, but at first it was, yeah, low-key kind of traumatizing and it really challenged my social anxiety. And that was something that I had um, masked with alcohol for the first like for the first few years, like since I turned 18, I was like drinking so that I could be social. And then once I started dancing, I knew that I needed to cut back on alcohol because it wasn't very, I'm not, I'm not a very professional drinker. I'm not very sexy when I drink. I, I'm just ratchet. So I knew that I needed to stop drinking. I start, I stopped drinking a few weeks into becoming a stripper and that was probably the hardest part because I had never really been social without alcohol. And also I had to be social like with strangers in my underwear, in like a room full of people without my vice. And that was really, really challenging for me, but I had to work through it. And I think it was just one of those situations where you just had to push through to get to the other side and get to the rewards because it was I was just absolutely, I don't even want to think about like the conversations that I used used to have because I didn't know how to talk to men. Right. I didn't know what to ask them. So it was definitely a learning experience. Yeah. I, I was watching the AFL grand final weekend on your YouTube and you were in the back of the club and you're like, the, 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 customers are just rude tonight. You were like, I walked by someone and they were just like, no, not that red lipstick. And <laughs> it just, it brought me back to those little moments like you know people are like oh what are what's the worst thing that's happened to you as a stripper like do people you know try to have sex with you and stuff but it's honestly sometimes it's those small experiences when people just literally talk to you like you are a human piece of of meat and it's just like a quick thing and you're just like oh my god really like my lipstick and usually it could have nothing to do with like how big your boobs are or something but people will just write you off immediately into your face. And it's, it's so, to me, it's so much harder to deal with than, you know, online cruelty because dealing with it in person, it's crazy to see how people have the balls to say things to, to the dancers who are, it's, it's just sickening to me. So how do you deal with that kind of denial or rejection 
I feel like at at some point you just get used to it and you kind of grow a thicker skin. But do you have any like phrases or kind of comebacks to customers who are just kind of a little nasty off off the bat? I mean, it depends on the customer. A lot of the time I'll literally just laugh at them because in my head I'm like, what the fuck do you know? Like you're not an expert. <laughs> like, like why are you telling me this? Because you have like you, you don't have the authority to tell me what my body looks like or like this or that or if they're wearing something like stupid or if they have they clearly haven't like showered or something I'll be like um yeah says you who hasn't taken a shower kind of thing but Mm -hmm. most of the time I'll just laugh at it because one they don't expect it and two because like it should be treated as a fucking joke because what like who do you think you are (laughs) no fair enough do you I see you're on OnlyFans now do you prefer uh, I'd say like virtual sex work over in person, or do you kind of just do a little bit of both and kind of capitalize on different forms of of sex work income? Or like for me, I really enjoy doing it virtually. Once I you know close the door on the strip club experience, it was a pretty hard close of a door. But do you find that you really? enjoy working at the club and still see this being as a long-term kind of thing? Yeah, I definitely prefer working at the club still. I think also I have never really been technology savvy, so I don't really have many strengths when it comes to online work, but I feel as though I learn so much in person in the strip club and I feel as though there are so many like just synchronicities and magical experiences that just happen that I feel like I would completely miss if I only focused on online work. That's fair. I I saw that you give out stickers sometimes after your lap dances. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I did this 10 years ago because it was the cutest thing. It was like you bending over like a picture of you, but it also, I believe it had your socials on the bottom. And I was like, that is brilliant marketing. Where did you come up with that idea? I got the idea because my club in, um, I work at a club in Perth and they used to they still technically do, except no one really does it anymore. Like none of the girls really get it done, but like we can if we want to. There's these the opportunity to get these little business cards made and it the business card has like a photo of us. It's got our socials on it. And on the other side is a free entry card for like a customer to come back and they don't have to pay for entry. So it was kind of like an enticement sort of thing. And I was looking at, I still have a stack of them. I just don't use it anymore because it's got a different um, OnlyFans username on it. So I literally can't do anything with them. But I was looking at them and I was like, you know what, why don't I just make a sticker? I can take it to any club and it's a novelty thing. And plus, like, people put stickers everywhere. Like, what if someone puts one up on, like, a random wall or, like, a light post somewhere and then, like, that would get me a lot more exposure? Exactly. I Even when I'm walking downtown, sometimes I will see an OnlyFans QR code on a pillar or something. And I'm like, <laughs> that is so brilliant because someone's going to scan that and wonder what's going on. Yes. <laughs> so you said it took some time to build your social skills, especially without having alcohol as a crutch, which I can totally relate to. But when it comes to body confidence and self-worth, I mean, you are totally so vulnerable when you go on stage. How did you learn or how did you train yourself 
to really build that confidence up and being, you know, so vulnerable? How did that look like on your journey? And because from what I see now, like you are stunning, 10 out of 10, you know, could just walk into a room and kill everybody. (laughs) So how did, how did it take to get, you know, what did it look like getting there? To be honest, it was mostly just faking it till I made it. That was kind of my only option. And then when you do, when you do it that way, you, you trick yourself and you trick your body into thinking that you actually are confident. So then you do become confident. And I think that was just something that I had to learn and embody in order to, yeah, step, step it up and not be so like shy and self-conscious all the time. I, I felt the same way, even when it came to learning how to work the stage and, you know, you see the girls up there laying on their back, like shaking their legs, like a little worm and all those things. I felt like, okay, I'm just going to study what the dancers are doing that are bringing a lot of money and just completely try to emulate what they're doing because it's, it's really an art. Like even when someone comes up to the stage, like the timing where you walk over to them and, you know, collect the tip, like there are so many different ways you can capitalize on those experiences. So do you have any tips for when you are doing your stage number and people are coming up to the stage and how you could possibly convince that customer to get a dance with you later that evening? So when someone sits down at the stage, I always just kind of try to like engage with them in one way or another, like eye contact and like just have like a little chat, like uh, like cheekily ask for a tip sort of thing. And I always try to ask people who have been tipping me the most to be like, well, like, do you want to have some more fun? Or like, do you want to have some real fun? Or do you want to come get a little bit closer, like in the, like in the naughty room? But I also found that getting more, becoming more confident on stage also came after I started like actually learning pole because before that I used to just be like, okay, stage is a chore. I just have to like go up, do my thing, like, and then it's done for the night. I don't really need to go up anymore. But then learning pole and actually, it actually gave me something to become excited about and like learning something and being able to practice it. It brought like a new passion to like stage performances and new way of interacting with the stage. So I actually was having like a good time up there and I was enjoying being up there. And that also allowed me to draw more people, more people to the stage, because, you know, if you're, if you are enjoying yourself, people are going to notice that and they're going to want to be around you. And I feel as though that changed my time on stage so much more because instead of like viewing it as a chore, I was like, okay, like this is a cool thing that I get to like do. I'm learning, I'm having fun. And I've just been attracting more people to stages, which is really cool as well. I love that. Do you have a particular type of music? I mean, I know every club's different. Sometimes the DJs don't even allow you to make suggestions, but do you feel like there's a genre that makes you more money when you're doing your stage set? I love like early 2000s, like hip hop and R&B. If if I'm at a club where I can choose my music, I always try to play like really like strip club early 2000s music where they're talking about like spending money and like making it rain and stuff because I feel like that gets people in the vibe and being like yeah like we're just gonna like (laughs) throw money at her (laughs) right some camaraderie I love it with you know learning the pole and all that comes a lot of bruises what is your kind of aftercare management or even pre-care management 
knowing that you might be banging up your body a little bit and some like preventative that you do to make sure you can have some longevity through the evening? It's not great. (laughs) I've I do use a moisturizer that's got arnica in it. It doesn't really do a whole lot. I still have like a lot of bruises. My legs are, are not in <laughs> not in good shape, but I think I'm also at the point where my body's just so used to it that like I don't really feel the pain as much anymore and it doesn't really bother me and I feel like that's probably a really bad thing, but yeah, I don't really unfortunately <laughs> look after my legs as much as I should. I kind of just like get the bruises and then I'm like, okay, I've got to put like cream on these. Right. I I always see them as like battle scars. I was always like the next day I'd be like, oh my God, the more bruises I have, the more money I made. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's a great way of looking at it. So I am really intrigued with these mantras you have. I don't know if you could possibly maybe share a few. I'm intrigued by the sober mantras that you offer because again, like you said, going to the club sober is such an illuminating experience and really shows having to dig down and find that inner power to to get through it sometimes. So what would be like a general sober mantra on a night that you're not going to be drinking while you work? I think, well, it would vary from person to person and it would depend why you're drinking because I know like some some girls go to work and they drink because they want to feel confident. Some people like want to have a little bit more like fun. Some people want to like ease up a bit socially. So it would all depend on like finding the reason why you drink and like the, the moments where you're like, okay, I need to have a drink to handle this and then finding an affirmation that deals with the root cause. So say you're, you drink to feel more confident. You like, you could come up with an affirmation that says, I like, I exude confidence. I like, I am confident. People love the way I look like customers love to book me and like addressing the root of the issue rather than the, the Mm -hmm. drinking itself, if that makes sense. Do you feel like your experience really uplifted when you started affirmations, you know, before, during your dancing? Oh, yeah, for sure. I I think it's so cool. On your website, I see it's at gingerzephyr.com. You have the seven shifts to shift your work mindset. So tell me a little bit more about this. So I have always used journaling as a way to kind of heal and coach myself and just dive deep into my mind and figure out why I react in certain ways, why certain things happened, why like I attracted certain things into my life. And then Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I feel as though there are so many things that can affect us in the strip club that it would be really useful to do some journaling before work to work through it. And especially when we're feeling a little like we're, we're feeling a little burnt out, we're feeling like we can't really meet our goals, that we're like we're finding so many limits, we're not really getting where we want to go and it, we're feeling a bit defeated. And I just wanted to create a resource where dancers could address the root cause and work through it in a positive way and reframe their mindset so that when they go into the club, they have a fresh perspective and they're able to walk into the club feeling a lot better about their work and feeling a lot better about being able to achieve their goals. I love that. Did you notice being around other dancers like in the locker room that this was sort of 
a common thing that dancers weren't getting in tune with. I know it's it's different in every club, but especially if you're kind of riding solo to work and, you know, the weight of the world is on your shoulders and sometimes you don't have a friend to lean on. I think it's so important to have these resources. So just by engaging with other employees at the club, did you start to recognize how providing these resources could be really helpful for the community? Yeah, for sure. I gathered a lot of information just observing and listening into, well, not really listening into conversations, but just hearing what people were saying and just listening to the attitudes of the people that I worked with and seeing what really needed to be worked through, what the common complaints were and what the common Mm -hmm limitations were when it came to making money I just like observed I listened to people around me and I came to understood that there were a few particular issues that seemed to keep popping up in regards to mindset and feeling motivated in the club that makes perfect sense on your high vibe hustler youtube channel I'm looking at some of the other affirmations you have which are just so intriguing to me Uh, affirmations for jealousy which I think is just a natural thing. You know, you're working around beautiful women, your clothes are off and you see other women in the club just raking in bags of money on a Friday night. And sometimes you sit there and go, you know, why me? And then you think of all the things wrong with you. So having an affirmation can be so powerful in that moment because that can just trigger your evening into a much better headspace or perhaps you just decide to pack up and go home. So what would an affirmation for jealousy look like? One thing that I say to myself a lot, especially when I fall into like the trap of being like, oh my God, like this person seems to be having like an amazing night and I am definitely not, (laughs) is like I'm on my own unique path and I know that everything is working out in the best possible way. Just because it seems like things are working out a certain way doesn't necessarily mean they're not working in your favor. Like for instance, if you're in the club and maybe you're having a bad night, there could be something that you need to learn on that particular night in order to make you a better hustler or in order to really benefit you in the long run. It's like a signal for action. I always, even like asides from the club, if something's happening in your life and you're like, I feel bad. It's like, okay, let's go a step further because that pattern of feeling bad will continue to happen until you break that pattern. I think that's so powerful. And another one you have here are affirmations for Mercury retrograde, which I'm also just very intrigued by because I feel like, God, this year alone, we've been, I feel like retrograde just hasn't stopped at all. But when that happens, it's like all communications get jumbled up. And perhaps in the strip club, when you're negotiating and trying to seal the deal, it can just feel like there are so many roadblocks and hurdles. So how could we navigate being in Mercury retrograde and trying to communicate, especially around money, and you just feel like, okay, it is not happening for me. I know, like you said, you we could signal like, okay, this is just you know, my journey is on the right track. I need to trust it. But is there anything you can think of when it comes to sealing the deal? I love what you said about like, just the really cheeky, like, you know, I think it's time we go to the naughty room. But do you do you have any advice for really just sealing that dance or really getting that high clientele on a night where it can happen? And it's really up to you to kind of 
navigate that and get it there. One thing that I've been saying to customers lately, especially in Mercury retrograde or any, like, I feel like there have been, like, every single planet that could be in retrograde has been in retrograde at some point. There's been so much cosmic bullshit happening this year that there's always some weird event going on. There's always something happening in like the universe that it it feels like it never ends. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you said before. So something that, and obviously that stresses out a lot of customers. There's always like people who are like worried about money or like their banking apps down or something's, something's going wrong in their lives. And something that I've had to keep reminding customers in the club in these moments is being like, okay, well, you're not here to complain. Like you're not here to worry about money. You're not here to like stress out about like your banking app. You're here to have a good time. So let's go somewhere where you don't have to worry. You can relax and we can just forget. Spring is in the air, lovelies. And with it comes a fresh wave of energy, blossoming flowers and endless possibilities. But you know what puts an extra skip in my step? My fabulous partners at Viahim. Trusted by a whopping 250,000 plus goddesses just like you, Viahim's products are just like a magical wellness wand in a bottle. Feeling a bit frazzled after a hectic day? Cue the Via gummies for instant relaxation. Battling stress and anxiety? Don't worry, there's a gummy for that too. And for those intimate moments, Via has concocted something truly special. High Love Gummies, infused with pleasure-boosting cannabinoids, libido-reviving herbs, and just the right touch of THC, these gummies are your ticket to an electrifying experience between the sheets. But wait, there's more. Via offers an array of other gummies, with or without THC, catering to every goddess's needs. Whether you prefer a subtle 2mg dose or a bolder 50mg kick, Via has your back. From improving sleep to sharpening focus or aiding in recovery, there's a gummy for every occasion. And the cherry on top? You can easily browse and shop their collection online, categorized by strength and effect. And here's the best part, darling. Via ships discreetly to all 50 states, right to your doorstep. No medical card needed. So go ahead, indulge in a little self-care spree with Via Hemp because you deserve nothing but the best goddess. Head over to viahemp.com and use code goddess to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies 21 and up only that's viahemp v-i-i-a-h-e-m-p.com and use code goddess at checkout please support our show and tell them we sent you take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from viahemp now back to the show get about it all Mm, that's a really good point my kinky cannabis queens come get your freak on and shop the first adult head shop on the internet thehornystoner.com offers the glassware of your dreams from beginner vibrators to expert anal trainers enhance your self-pleasure journey are you a pothead princess wrap yourself in luxury with the gold rolling papers vintage ashtrays and stash jars fit for a queen maybe it's time to enhance your bubble bath routine with a silicone rubber ducky water pipe it can float in the tub while you rub a dub dub make your pussy proud and support your local dildo dealer at thehornystoner.com now back to the show Does your family know that you're a stripper or have you 
Like, how have you navigated this with friends and family, especially since you're so open about it on social media? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's another thing. So some of my family know. My mum knows and my dad should know, but he pretends he doesn't. I don't really know what the deal with that is. And like, that's his own, that's his own issue that he needs to sort out. So I don't really, I don't really think about it too much. I'm not super open with my family. I just don't talk about it. And I guess like if they Googled my name, they would, they would find out, but no one's asked me or anything with, when it comes to friends, I have mostly had issues with the lifestyle being mm-hmm. like an issue when it comes to friends rather than me being a stripper itself. I did like lose a lot of friends when I first started dancing just because I wasn't going out Friday and Saturday night and seeing them every weekend because I was working. And then I just lost contact because that was the only time I could see them. And that was really disappointing and something that I had to like, yeah, learn the hard way when I first started dancing. And it is really difficult maintaining friendships with people who aren't in the industry. And Mm -hmm. I think that has been something that's been really difficult, not so much being a stripper and people judging me for it. It's been like the lifestyle. But then again, people that I associate with are quite open and I don't really know many conservative people in general. So I think that would also be why. Well, I I completely understand because even for me, if I'm webcam modeling till two, three in the morning and something really like strange or unsettling happens during a show, there's really not many people I can call that late in the hour to kind of get some support. And, you know, then you're sleeping in sometimes till afternoon, which again, you're kind of living on an opposite schedule that people in a square business are in. So I think having support and allies in the community who are working on a a similar shift, especially those kind of night shifts and whatnot is is really important. Have you found friends or newfound friends in the club that have become a support system for you? Or do you feel like you're more like in the independent lane? I definitely feel as though I have made some really good friends in the industry and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. But I do stick to myself a lot. And um, in the club, I'm very much do my own thing. So when the friends that I have made in the industry, they're people that I've worked with for like a decent amount of time. And it's like being like a slow connection rather than people that I've met like over the course of a month and then I've become really good friends with. It's been a very like slow process because I'm so reserved. Well, not really reserved, but I'm, I keep to myself a lot at work. So let's talk about safety. What do you do to ensure that you are going to make it to your car alive or that you're not going to have a repeat client turn into a stalker? What kind of boundaries and guards do you set up to ensure that your your well-being? So I did have an experience with a, with a customer that I did set really strong boundaries around a few years ago. So I don't necessarily think that it can't always be helped. This was a customer that, well, a girl that I knew gave him some personal information. So it was through like a coworker that that happened and um, since then, I've been very careful with regular customers. I I don't think I've even really had a consistent regular customer since then. And that was um, about three years ago. So I think energetically, just protecting yourself on that level is going to be a lot more effective because like on an energetic level, I've kind of built up this like thing where like I see customers like 
once or twice. Like they don't come in and see me every week just because I had that, like I had a really scary experience and I don't want that to happen again. So I think like setting boundaries on an energetic level rather than like verbally saying something to the customer or verbally setting something up in the physical world, even though it might not sound as practical, I feel as though that has worked for me a lot better. So if we were to have a dance and I was like, well, what are you doing after this? What would you say? I've been saying this a lot lately. I've, I, and it's not even, it's not even mine. So I can't take credit for it because, because this girl that I work with says it sometimes. I've heard her say before, well, I'm just a hologram. So after this, I'm just going to disappear. And I've been saying that to customers and it just makes it like they just kind of laugh. So it's not like you're turning them down or rejecting them. It's like you're cracking a joke and then you're all, but you're also being like, no, we're not going to meet up after this. Mm -hmm. So do most clubs there have security? Do they walk you to your car or kind of ensure that the dancers leave, you know, without anyone waiting in the parking lot for them? The clubs that I work at, do have really good security, but I have worked at some clubs in the past that have been like absolutely atrocious when it comes to security. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm very lucky to work at clubs that have good security. But then again, I also like I don't drive at the moment. I don't have a car um, just because I spent a lot of time traveling and I mostly catch Ubers and Ubers generally pull up like right in front of the venue. So it's pretty, pretty easy to like leave the club and get straight into a car. Do you feel like any Uber drivers have ever given off any awkward vibes like, oh, you're a dancer, like what else do you do? Or the fact that they're taking you to, you know, your house, that to me could be a bit frightening at some times. Okay, well, I did have an experience once where I gave this customer a lap dance, like right at the very end of the night, right as as the club was closing. And it was like a really short dance as well. And then I, like the club closed, I got changed and I ordered an Uber and the Uber driver was the guy that I had just danced for. And oh, it was so crazy. the way that he acted was really bizarre. And it's, it came across to me that like he did it on purpose. Like he purposely like wanted to like. Like maybe it wasn't his first time doing that. Yeah. Like he turned on his Uber app knowing that like a stripper from that venue was going to get an Uber and he was going to take them home. And it was just, it was really fucking weird. What did you walk into your house and like lock your door? Were you like really anxious? Yeah. (laughs) Like I obviously reported it to Uber, but then it's just, it's like now they know where, where you live. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. So I know it can get kind of, you know, there's a lot of darkness that can happen because, you know, you never know who's, what kind of customer is walking in that door. I don't know what the laws are in in the clubs there, like if they're allowed to touch you or not. But what happens when you're in the back and they start to maybe just drunkenly or just even soberly, aggressively kind of start to assume you're going to do more than just dance for them? What, what kind of, how does that play out? So in Australia, like it's pretty well understood that there's no full service, that it's all just lap dancing. So it doesn't happen very often. It's mostly when someone who isn't from Australia is in the venue and then they assume that something's going to happen. And they don't often get, like, you can kind of tell when something's going to go down. And most of the time I, like, I can tell the warning signs and I just leave before anything happens. But it becomes mm-hmm. more of like um, like a, of a sexual thing more than an, an aggressive thing. 
they'll unbutton their jeans or like they'll pull their dick out rather than expecting you to do something rather than like trying to force you to do something if that makes sense but that's just Mm -hmm. my experience so far as well there could be plenty of people who have had a completely different experience doing doing this in Australia yeah my favorite thing was if like you said if you see them unbutton your pants you just fucking walk away grab a bouncer let them know and they take care of it but it's definitely different per club but that can I mean the first time something like that happens it can it can haunt you. It's uh, it's scary. That's really the only way I can put it. When it comes to the mental side of things, especially after a hard night, what kind of self-care do you do to reconstruct yourself and get your energy back to just elevating it after a hard night or you know, for me, it was, you know, maybe taking baths or, you know, like you said, the journaling aspect's really cool. But do you have any other self-care rituals that you do? Um, a bath is always good. I do a lot of, um, like, if I'm feeling like I really need to get rid of some of the energy, I'll do like a smoke cleanse and just like imagine all the, like, all the shit, all the bad energy, like going out the window. I also, this is something that I try to do every night and some nights it's more it's more necessary than others is when I'm in the shower after work or even like in in the bath when you pull the plug it's just like you just visualize all the like negativity and all the shitty things that happen throughout the night going down the drain and this is a lot more effective in the shower cuz that like you can just like visualize everything coming off you and like the water like cleaning everything out and then just like having it go down the drain and then just like writing down how I feel so that I can get it out and that I can address it and release it. I love that. It's There's something so therapeutic about when you take that shower and get all that makeup off. It's yeah. so nice. <laughs> I do see on your YouTube channel, you have a two-part series about strip club horror stories. So is there one that really sticks out to you that you'd want to share? I was telling someone about this the other night. This is not a story that is it didn't take place in the strip club itself, but it came from a customer in the strip Mm -hmm. club. Because when I tell this story, people just look at me like, how did you let this happen? Like, why did you like let this man pay you to do this? But (laughs) what happened was I'm from a place called Brisbane and there was a customer who would come into all the Brisbane city clubs and he had a special nickname for himself. It was like a self-appointed nickname, but he always acted as though like like everyone gave it to him but he was the only one who called himself that. And that was um, like Spanky, (laughs) which like, yeah, you know, no comment. But I'd known him for a little while before he approached me this one night and he had booked me once or twice before, but the lap dancers were very weird. He didn't really want you to do anything. He wanted you to just like sit on his lap and he'd just like smack your ass. And this is in a state where like touching is like touching is legal. And Yeah, I think I'd known him for maybe about six months or so before he approached me at this one club. And he'd mentioned like once or twice about having like pool parties with strippers. And this man is like, he is definitely not having pool parties with strippers. Like he's not having strippers over like, that's not something that he is. He's not getting that done for free, you know. And um, I'd always been like, why is he just talking, like, he's just talking shit, like, no no strippers going, like, and swimming in his swimming pool, whatever. He mentioned to me that, like, he was going to have, like, a pool party with 
another girl that I worked with and she was like, she was a fucking hustler and I knew that she wouldn't do that shit for free because he had invited me to do, to like have a pool party with her. And I was like, this is, this is weird. I need to go ask her. And she was like, yeah, he pays you for him. You go to a public swimming pool and you'll like swim with him there for two hours. And I was like, okay, that's like, that's weird, but whatever. At the time I had fire engine red hair. So every time I wet my hair, like the water would go like red and all the color would leak out. So when I went swimming, I did not put my head underwater. And so I said to him, I was like, look, I can do the pool party, but I like, I just can't get my hair wet. And he goes, oh, well, yeah, don't worry about it then. And I, I thought that's, that's weird. And then, so I thought, okay, like if I get a swimming cap, like, are you going to like, is that fine? And he was like, yeah, a swimming cap would be good. I'll see you at like this day at this time. I, sh- I show up and oh um, there's like two other girls there. We're at a public swimming pool. And I'm like, I walk in in this like sexy bikini and I've got this like bright pink fucking swimming cap on my head. And um, I'm like, why am I wearing this swimming cap? Like what's, what's the go? And it turns out that he wanted to spend like the whole time like dunking us underwater. Like that was his <laughs> thing. Like he just wanted to like, like, tip us un- like into the water yeah yeah it was and like this is something that like he I probably did this with him maybe about like 10 times I probably did about like 10 pool like pool parties with him and some of them were by myself some of them were, were with other girls but all he wanted to do was just like dunk you under the water and like were you just like laughing the whole time yeah. <laughs> trying yeah. to get through it I'd just be like and then I'd like look around being like, oh my God, like when is the time up? Like, <laughs> So what does a session look like that cash wise? Look, it was not good. <laughs> it was, it was not good. I don't even want to say it out loud, but the, That's okay. the place where I was dancing at that point in time, like Brisbane, the city where I'm, where I'm from, it's a notorious city for like not making much money in general. Like strip clubs don't give you a whole lot for, like for dancers the earning mm-hmm. potential isn't as high. So like thinking about it now, I, like I would never do a booking for the amount of money that I received then. <laughs> but at the time it was like, it was okay. It was like a hundred dollars an hour for two hours. So it was like 200 bucks. And I was like, you know what? I'm not getting naked. Like it's fine. But now I'm like, if, if I'm going to meet someone outside of the club to do like a private, like topless waitressing, or like if I'm going to be dunked underwater, I want at least a thousand dollars, you know? <laughs> No, and and the thing is, you you have to go through those experiences to kind of learn what your thresholds are and how you want to, you know, manage your your rates. So I think I think that's hilarious. I I'm always fond of the customer that has a, a little bit of a different kink, you know, instead of having to just play that like, you know, I'm I'm sexy and I'm into you. Like sometimes it can be just more exciting to do something a little different. Have you ever had customers who like purchase your outfits or your underwear or, or ask about buying your belongings? You know, I have really wanted to have a customer who would like buy things off me, but it hasn't happened yet. And I'm really disappointed. Well, we got to manifest that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how does dancing affect your sexuality or your dating life? I know sometimes it can put a wrench into things. That's a really good question. That's something that I like think about a lot and I don't think I've really figured it out yet because I 
believe I'm on the asexual spectrum and going like looking back in like at my teenage years it makes sense like I didn't really have I didn't really go like boy crazy I didn't really have like experience a lot of like coming into my sexuality the way that a lot of people do when they're a teenager Mm -hmm. and um, I never really had like much sexual desire for other people so it makes sense but then I'm also I also think like has stripping affected that is am I just telling myself that I was like that in high school when actually being a stripper has kind of like reduced my sex drive it's just a very um very like complicated topic and I'm always like thinking about it trying to get to the get to the like crux of it all but then at the same time I don't really I'm not fussed about it at all Yeah, that's, I think, asexuality in general is something that's not normalized or spoken about, you know, and it's, it's a very interesting subject to be had. And then when your work is being more of of a sexual player, I could definitely see how that could make things just a little bit more complex when it comes to really taking a hard look at your sexuality. But I think it's, you know, there's someone in my family who had a an asexual, some I, maybe I'd call it a phase, but you know, I was one of her allies when it came to that to just say, hey, like it it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you at all if if you're not experiencing, you know, if those feelings aren't arousing, you know, it's okay to tell yourself like I'm allowing myself to be patient and I give myself permission to let this flow and and not feel broken in a sense. Even at the strip club when, you know, there's straight guys wondering if they can get your number and and so and so. Like I at the time I was dancing, I was really into girls. So it was always my easy go to, like, sorry, I, I just don't roll that way. Or, you know, do you do you find guys trying to approach you and and what kind of feedback do you give them? You just give them the hologram answer. <laughs> Sometimes and also sometimes I play along with it because I'm like, you know what, like whatever. <laughs> like it's kind exactly. of funny to me, like when they're being like, oh, the things I'd do to you, and then they go into detail, and then I'm kind of like in my head, I'm like, this is just a massive joke to me, you know. Mm-hmm. So what is what's the one thing you really rewarded yourself with from dancing? Was there a token of something that you spent a lot of money on to reward yourself or was there ever this really high moment of, oh my God, I made so much money this month or last night. Like I'm going to spoil myself. I don't think I've really had like a big purchase. I've definitely bought things like smaller items, like as, as a treat for like working hard, but I've never really like bought a bag or made any like big purchases with my money which is something that I should probably I'm I'm well due for like some kind of like Mm. treat (laughs) I deserve something nice (laughs) so that's gonna be on my list yes so tell me more about this business you have and how stripping might have opened a door into your social media presence and and what you got going on on you know, with YouTube and Instagram, your website. Tell me more about that with High Vibe Hustler. So High Vibe Hustler started out more as like mindset coaching and helping strippers maintain like a like a high vibration in the strip club and a positive attitude. And then I ended up gaining a lot more feedback when I would ask people, what, what do you want to see? Like, what do you want to learn about? When I asked my audience what they wanted to see more of, I was 
getting more and more responses that said, like, we want to see stripper vlogs, like, we want to see you, like, documenting yourself at work. And so it just became, yeah, something that I stepped into. Like, I just wanted to kind of be, like, a positive role model and not necessarily by, like, teaching but by leading by example, if that makes sense. I love that. I love that so much. Truly, I can't say it enough, but just like watching so many of your vlogs this morning, it felt like, oh my gosh, like I have a friend like going through this with me and she's answering like Q&As and she's, you know, thrift shopping for outfits. I just love anyone in this community that's normalizing something that is a job and that so many you know, square people just fetishize. So what is next for Ginger Zephyr? What is her next goal? She's climbing up the ladder of slutty success. What are her plans for the future? I'm actually in the in the middle of figuring that all out. I like I have so many like different like ideas of things that I want to do and I'm just trying to figure out which one I'm most passionate about at the moment. Cause I am trained in like tarot. I'm thinking I might do go down the route of tarot. I might do a bit more coaching. I might go down the route of like focusing more on OnlyFans and being more like of an entertainer online. I'm still kind of figuring it out. And I think like I'm just enjoying not really knowing at the moment. I love that. Take all the time you need. (laughs) So to all my sluts, you can find Ginger. She is on OnlyFans. Her username is GingerXFatel, F-A-T-A-L-E. And her Instagram is at High Vibe Hustler. She's on TikTok, Ginger Zephyr, and on YouTube. And if you want to know how to spell that, that is Z-E-P-H-Y-R. We'll also have everything linked down below. Make sure to check out her website, gingerzephyr.com. You can find the seven shifts to shift your work mindset. She's also got some really cute merch, some hats and hoodies with some slutty Uh, slogans on them and all sorts of things. Well, it was such a pleasure meeting you. Thank you for opening up to about about your experience and being part of, you know, the good force in this community and helping others. It, It really means so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's the end of the show, so time to plug myself and pay some bills. So lube up. If you want to keep the show going and learn more about myself and my empire, you can check more out at professionalgoddess.com. My YouTube, mentorships, ebook series, and everything else is linked in the description of this episode, as always. And remember, every time you leave a five-star review, a slutchpreneur has an orgasm. So keep the big O's coming. Connect with your fellow girl gang in the Sluttrepreneur Squad Facebook group at cehose.com. That's cehose.com. You can also just search Professional Goddesses in the Facebook search bar and it should come right up. Plus, we have a Discord chat, which is our triple X chat to help our fellow sluts out. You can get this link through the Facebook group or just shoot me an email. We'll get you in there. And lastly, if you want to get all up inside me, Follow my free OnlyFans at Rebecca Blue with two Ks and my explicit page at Rebecca Rabbit. Now, all you have to do is put in OnlyFans.com backslash my username. 
I also offer shout outs, which can be purchased at RebeccaBlue.com or just private message me on OnlyFans. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as always, refuse to be anything but successful. Go make that money, honey. I'll see you queens next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.